Welcome to New Horizons podcast, Trailblazers. New Horizons is a national nonprofit that has served men and women with intellectual and developmental disabilities since 1971. We believe that every person is a work in progress and has a story to tell. This podcast will be a place for men and women with diverse backgrounds and unique abilities to share their victories, challenges, and stories with the world. We hope you enjoy. In today's episode, we speak with Aisha Mansare. Aisha has been the director at New Horizons for the past five years, and she has an incredible story of her own. She has a wealth of knowledge, having worked in almost every position in this field, and I enjoy discussing tennis, travel, and hearing a little bit more about how she became the fearless leader we know today. We'll hope you enjoy. Hello, everybody. My name is Aisha Mansare. I have been with New Horizons uh since august of 2015 so it's coming up four years i'm the executive director before that i was a director at another agency for about eight years an agency that i worked for for 13 years doing the same line of work so totally i've been in the field of disability for total of like 18 or 19 years Started off as a DSP, direct support professional, and every other position you can think of in the office, all the way to regional director. And then I had the opportunity to transition to New Horizons as the executive director. When I came here in 2016, it was very challenging, but uh, we got through it. Uh, We had a great team. We had to build a whole new team. Everybody worked hard, and then um, we are where we are now, and we're very happy with that progress, and we're very happy with the direction the agency is going. What, once you arrived here, initially attracted you to this field? So I was in college in 2002. Um, I was a sophomore, and then I had to complete some volunteer work. So I reached out to my caseworker, because I had a caseworker when I arrived in the U.S. as a refugee, so I stayed in touch, and she helped me out coordinating some of the services that that I wasn't familiar with. So I reached out, I said, hey, I need to do some volunteer hours. I've already done all these other places. I need something new. So at the time, she has a friend that works for a provider agency like New Horizons, and she connected me with that friend, and that friend let me do my volunteer hours with that. And that agency at the time was called Sunrise, Sunrise Community. Okay. So I did um, my volunteer hours there, and then uh, subsequently asked them if they have a, a job for me on the weekend, because I was in college Monday through Friday. So they said, yes, I started working there on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday. And shortly after that, they sold that company to another company named Omnivision. So we transitioned to Omnivision. And then I've never left and graduated college and became a part of the administrative staff. I was a program manager and quality compliance and the director. So. so you've done it all. We're very fortunate that you were led down this path. But one of the, the first things I know you and I bonded about was talking about tennis. So. Do you want to talk about your your love for for tennis or or why you why you are such a uh, tennis fan? Yes, yes, I love tennis. Well, um, 
went back home, went to a private school. Uh, it was like a boarding school. So there were like tennis courts and basketball and racket courts and badminton. So I just took to tennis. If I wasn't playing Scrabble, I was playing tennis with some of my uh, friends. And then I just loved tennis. And then we used to watch tennis all the time. I remember growing up watching uh, Zena Garrison and uh, Yannick Noah. Yannick Noah is the reason I'm in love with tennis. Not only tennis, but him as well at the time, you know, a young teenager. <laughs> so I just got mm-hmm. glued and um, I've been following tennis since, you know, Steffi Graf and um, Martina Navratilova and all those. I can name all these people. And um, 2017, I had the opportunity, which was a dream of mine, to go to one of the Grand Slams. So I, mm-hmm. I, I had the opportunity to go to Australia. I was in Melbourne. Um, to see the to watch the uh, the Grand Slam, the first Grand Slam of the year, and I had an opportunity to see so many of my favorite players at the time. You know, Roger, Rafa, Serena, Andy, Isna, you name them. Mm-hmm. I mean, curious. I saw them all, and I was so happy. And then 2018, I was also I went to Flushing Meadows in New York to watch the the women's wow. final. Serena and Naomi, and I was right there. So, That's and my awesome. other, I've already done Wimbledon, you know. Um, well, I did not go in the court. We were on Kenman Hill. So, that, watching it on the Jumbotron. But the scene, you know, the the scene was the most important. So, the mm-hmm. only Grand Slam I haven't been present at is Roland Garros, which is the French Open. And that's going to be the next. Uh, <laughs> That's gonna be the next, <laughs> my the that, next dream that like check off on my bucket list. <laughs> that would be an awesome. One. Did y'all grow up playing on hard court or clay more often? No, uh, hard court. Hard court. Awesome. Yeah. So obviously, just you like had... the U.S. Open. Mhm. Well, do you do you still play tennis fairly regularly now? Not regularly. I used to play when I lived in an apartment because there were tennis courts, so I would track them out and see whoever's out there playing and I'll jump in with my racket and play. But it's hard to come by folks in my social circles that play tennis. I mean, I don't have friends that play tennis, really. (laughs) So it's just me. And, um, you know, I used to go um, other places like the Y and just kind of like play, join in. And when I lived in Smyrna, actually, I would go to a music trip park and play some with some other people that are out there, make friends. But uh, it's it's just sporadic and there whenever I'm lucky. Um, and, mm-hmm. you know, that's why this is kicking in as well. So it <laughs> can be running around like a teenager or something like that. <laughs> it's been, that's been one of the, not one of the biggest bummers, but it's definitely been, a, a bummer that all all sporting events have been canceled right now. I saw that they at least delayed the U.S. Open, so um, uh, or we're, we're talking I, I, about it. I'm so mad about that right now because I was looking for because we just completed the Australian Open, so we're gonna move on to the French Open and then Wimbledon and then the U.S. Open. All that's canceled, so mm-hmm. I'm not interested in no sports. And if tennis is not on, I've been watching reruns anyway on the tennis channel, so I can't complain. <laughs> no, I've, I've been doing, watching. I think a few days ago I rewatched the the Wimbledon final between Andy Roddick and Federer, where Andy Roddick blew. I think it was that the fourth set. He had that forehand volley, and I still 
pains me to watch that. But that was a classic, right in front of Pete Sampras. Mm-hmm. I know. Right I, in was front that... Of that that was the time that Federer was to break that record of Pete Sampras, and Andy blew it. I know he could have helped defend his American counterpart, but Man, I, and it looks I, like... died, I died with him on that one, though. I know it looks like Djokovic <laughs> might uh, might end up with the most Grand Slams at this point. He seems to be the healthiest, and he's closing in on on Roger now. Yeah, I guess so. But I'm but because I was hoping that Rafa's gonna take that French Open again and just keep killing it. But you know what? I mean, right now they're at a point in their careers that they have achieved everything. It doesn't even matter how many Grand Slams they have; they have done it all. When you win on all four surfaces, you're great. Mm-hmm. And right? I'm glad. I'm glad Federer had got the one French. I guess Djokovic. I don't. He hasn't won the French yet. So. Yeah, he, he did. He did. Oh, he, he did? did. Okay. Yeah, he did. He he has all four now. Yeah. Okay. He did one year when Roger was. I mean, when Rafa wasn't there. I know they. That's when everyone can sneak in and get get a French when when Rafa's not playing. <laughs> I would love to see Isner as the top-ranked American and as a Georgia grad. I'd love to see him win one, but it seems a little unlikely. But I, I have videos of him playing in Australian Open. He was playing on the open court, and that guy's so tall, man. I didn't he, think he was that tall. How did he even play tennis? He should be playing basketball. I know. His his serve is crazy. Just with the angle, I guess he can get on it. Um, he has but a anyway. serve like Andy Roddick, though. His serve mm-hmm. are like... Yeah kind of that jerky motion one one of the cool things i was able to do in high school he came because there's this um little event we went to and we got to try and return uh isner serves and we were all just standing maybe 15 feet behind the baseline trying to slice them back he just served good luck with that. Good i know it was, those, those he, mm-hmm. um, so with all the tennis tournaments you've been to you've obviously done a lot of traveling and i know that's another passion of yours do you have a couple places that have been your favorites or uh, or at the top of your bucket list to go to yes i want to go to new zealand and uh, this is the reason why because i was so close when i was in australia and i made some friends and i was really really disappointed that i did not think to add new zealand on the trip so that was gonna actually my 2021 goal was to go to um, new zealand uh because i just I just want to see what it's about. And because um, I've done a lot of countries in Europe, you know, I've done Asia, but uh, New Zealand, I've been reading about it. I've been watching pictures and um, I, I'm kind of fascinated from a distance. So I would love to go see what mm-hmm. it's about. Actually, what took me to Australia was basically the Australian Open. I took care less about every other thing that was there. But then mm-hmm. while I was there, I was able to do a lot more stuff. So, but New Zealand, I'm, I, I, it's it's on my bucket list to to, to visit. I, I think it's beautiful. It has a beautiful history, uh, the people, the culture, and the, just the geographical location and the vegetation. I mean, I see it's such a green country, and I want to go see what it's about. And there's so many films. I'm not sure if you're a fan of Lord of the Rings. So many. Epic films like that too, with the cinematography all throughout New Zealand that makes me want to yeah. go as well. And uh, I don't know nothing about that, but I just and I love the fact that the prime minister is a female. 
nothing mm-hmm. sound all, you know, but she's so young and she wasn't even married. She has a boyfriend and was pregnant and had a baby while pre- while she was prime minister. And um, it, it's just the way they do things. They're like, it's, New Zealand is almost like a non-conformist kind of country. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, they do things the opposite from every other civilized nation or whatever you want to call it. But uh, apart from that, I just want to, I, I want to go. I'm kind of like, I'm anxious to see what it's about. And mm-hmm. uh, if I do New Zealand, that that will be awesome. I'm looking forward to it. So we'll see. So getting back to, to New Horizons as well, I know you've been, been here about four or five years now. Is that correct? Yeah, almost, almost five. five years. Okay. Yeah. So what's something I know, obviously, during during your time there's been, you've ushered in a lot of change and, and new programs and New Horizons is definitely much better off for, for having you there. But what's something you'd like to see as we kind of push push the horizons even further at, at New Horizons, not to be overly cute there, but what's something you'd like to see happen? Great question. And this is something I've been thinking about for a while. You know, um, the type of job we do, we are, it's almost like our hands are tied because we have to follow strict policies strict guidelines mm-hmm. that come from the Department of Intellectual, DIDD in other words. It, it's so individualized per person. Each individual we support, we provide services for, has a specific guideline that we have to follow. I would like to get away from that. I would like to centralize the services for the people we support. Mm-hmm. And I would like to see us move in a direction where we can teach them and figure out what their abilities are and help them to hone those abilities. And then we can write guidelines for them that their staff can follow. And another thing I want to do, I want to see less staffing to assist our individuals and more independence because some of them are capable. Some of the people we support are very, very capable. But because of the strict guidelines that this person must have 24-hour staffing, this person must have two staff at all times, this person must be at arm's length, it, it kind of like limits them to what they can do. How about if mm-hmm. we just let them explore and try and see what they can do, and then we can guide them and help them and teach them towards becoming totally independent in their home with standby staff should they need one. Should they need to go shopping, we can provide them with transportation and stuff. And so that's one thing I've been thinking about and trying to see mm-hmm. how best I can advocate and bring it up to the attention of Tenko. I'll be on an island because, you know, the funding will be limited and it will not be mm-hmm. as high as it is right now. But you know what? It's about trailblazing. It's about being the first. You know what I mean? And so mm-hmm. I, I want New I Horizons to be that agency that transformed the system, you know, that transformed the entire, not just transform New Horizons, but transform the entire thought process of the department itself that will, you know, trickle down to the other providers. Absolutely. And the, the name of, uh, you, you, Perfectly laid right into it. the name of our podcast is Trailblazers, and I 
I, I do think that's such an important right to have the ability to to fail and try to figure things out and of course have the aid and the help and the staff there if, if needed but have that room to to kind of fail a little bit and figure things out on your own I think is, is absolutely important yeah I mean because having been in this field for the last 18 actually almost 20 years I've seen people transformed people with disability that they've written off I've seen them transform to becoming something mm-hmm. else. And I don't know how much time we have because I have like a, a a really powerful story that I think of all the time. Absolutely. I'd love to hear it. So, okay. So when I was a DSC, like a tech in the home providing direct care service to an individual, we had this young kid that came to us. He was 18. Uh, he had some mobility issues, some high behavior issues. So I was working on the weekend, 16 hours. I was going at 7 in the morning on Saturday. I don't get off till 11 at night. So it's 16 hours a day. So this guy would just, like, fight everybody. He could walk at a time, and eventually, gradually, he, he needed assistance with walking, and so he was using a walker. And that guy can take that walk and hit stuff. Nobody wanted to walk in that home. He had speech impairment, but you can understand some of the things he says. So he's, he's like, he had my heart. I mean, I, I'm telling, I tell this story because it touches me every time. Mm-hmm. So one day I decided to just sit down and just have a conversation with him. I said, hey, what do you like to do? Would you like, where would you like to go? How do you want to spend your day? You know, because most of the time we come in in the morning, we just sit in the home and he's watching TV. So on that day, he told me he liked to play Uno. Now, mind you, I had no clue what Uno was, okay? <laughs> <laughs> I had no idea. I was like, what? He said, I like Uno. I was like, what is Uno? He said, I, li-. I said, okay. So I took him. We went to the bookstore. I said, show me what Uno is. I did, I, this was 2002. There was not a lot of internet stuff going on on phones and stuff like mm-hmm. that. You know what I mean? So we went to the store, and he picked out this card. We came back to the house. He taught me how to play this card. And it's just like something changed in him. So he had a pack of Uno cards. Every staff that comes, he will have them sit down and play this Uno card with him. And then we started to observe and notice that the behaviors were gone. He wasn't hitting and beating on stuff and breaking glasses. I can't tell you how many of my glasses they broke just trying. Nobody wanted to walk with it. So I felt like this smallest thing that somebody should have noticed, maybe this guy has wanted this thing, but nobody ever asked him what he wanted to do, what he likes to do. You see where I'm coming from? Mm-hmm. So the Uno card kind of changed and transformed him. And another time he told me he wanted to go swimming. Now, do you know anything about African people? We don't swim. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't. I'm going to think for myself. I'm water, no. The hair costs too much to fix, so we don't put it in water. <laughs> I, was like, I was like, okay, buddy, I, I can take you to the pool, but I'm not going to go swim with you. But now he has mobility issues. He cannot be by himself. So what did I do? I was a DSP at the time, but thinking ahead because I was already, I had some knowledge because I was in social work college. So I called 
I called the, the manager at the time. I said, hey, can we have him uh, be signed up for orientation and mobility? At that time, they were giving all the services to the, the people supporting. So he was signed up for orientation and mobility. So that therapist was coming, and we would go with them to the pool, and the therapist would go in the pool with him, and then he would swim. Perfect. Light. That's awesome. Everything changed, and it was so peaceful. I would pick him up in the morning. We just run around. And so today, I'm still friends with him because I used to take him out. Even when I became a program manager or a director, he thought I was still his staff. So he would go, hey, Aisha, when are you coming to play Uno? So I will go by his That's house. Awesome. I sit down with him, play Uno. And I used to go take him out. Every Wednesday, we'll go to KFC. Every Wednesday, never fails. Even when I just started here. I used to go to him. He's not with us, but he's with another company. But I would go and then take him to KFC with his staff and have KFC with him. And he's a totally, totally, completely different person. That's awesome. It's so important for people to feel like they're the, the captains of their own ship and have the ability to, to change their lives and pursue their own passions and interests. So that's that's awesome that you were able to, to give him that, that ability. <laughs> Yeah, and, you know, his medications were reduced because they were just loading him up. I mean, this guy would be so, he would have such bad behaviors. They would take him to jail and lock him up for five days because he's assaulted the staff. Mm-hmm. And he he was in a wheelchair in jail, <laughs> you know. <laughs> and um, once he figured his fun activities, like in his uno, taking him swimming and taking him to lunch every week to eat his favorite chicken, um, KFC, he was fine. And so these are the things that I want our folks, I want us to be able to get in their heads, see what they like, and give them the opportunity to do that. Absolutely. That's why why New Horizons exists? Yes. Okay. Yes. Absolutely. So obviously we're, we're recording this during a very interesting time with the coronavirus and being shut down, and that's why we're having to do this remotely. But for a final question before I let you um, go to lunch. Is there a, a silver lining or has anything stood out to you during this very hard season? And obviously our, our hearts go out to everyone that's been impacted by this, but is there a, something positive you've been able to take away from this? Yes. The silver lining is how much people care. Hmm. How humanity, it, it, I, I don't know how to describe it, it's almost like I have. I feel like people are just waiting for a crisis to show the good side of them. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I've seen such goodness. I've had friends checking on me, texting, are you safe? Are you okay? I know you guys are essential employees. I'm checking on people. I'm checking on, on, on friends, family. And I see what's going on in the homes with our people, with the, mm-hmm. the clients that we support. Everything's so quiet. And now you know that we have some that have behaviors that will be in and out of the emergency room with health issues. Mm-hmm. And this time around, things are just quiet. The staff are doing the best they can. They're not complaining. They're not calling out. They're not combative as they were. For the most part, I mean, 80%, 90% of our staff, everybody shows up to work. So, to me, that's a silver lining because, yes, we're going through some things that it's not normal. These are not normal times. But on the flip side, it's almost like it's bringing everybody together mm-hmm. for, the greater, 
for the greater good. Mm-hmm. It's there's kind of this feeling in there that we're all on the the same team, cutting across all sorts of different divides that are normally there. So it's been really cool to see. I've been surprised at how everyone's kind of come together, taking it seriously. Of course, wearing masks out and doing everything else they can to to try and slow slow the spread. Yeah, yeah, it's 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 amazing. It's amazing. I've seen this twice after 9-11. That was when I saw some solidarity mm-hmm. in this country. And I had just, I was here like a, two years, and uh, I saw that. And I know, you know, we'll get through this again. You know, things happen in life. You know, some of us have mm-hmm. our personal stories. But um, when you see humanity come through, People caring for one another, delivering food, helping one another, checking on neighbors. I mean, it's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. It we don't wish for this to happen, but what's going on is really. I mean, I, I don't I don't watch TV like that. I don't watch the news. I don't have cable. I watch Netflix. But I know, you know, I read the news on the paper and I see all these things happening. Uh, the goodness from all over the world, actually, not just the United States. So it's 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 great. Mm-hmm. It's I'm sure it is. Well, Aisha, I know we have hours and hours of podcasts we could we could fill with all of your stories, but I appreciate you you coming on as we we begin to launch this this podcast. Edit as much as you can, okay? <laughs> I will. Well, I'll I'll, um, I'll I'll cut it off here, and uh, hope you have a, a great lunch, Aisha. We hope you enjoyed today's episode with Aisha. If you'd like to learn more about New Horizons and what we do, please visit our website or email us at podcast at newhorizonsls.org. Thanks for listening and stay tuned for next week's episode.